Sean. And it's Bree. Welcome to season four, episode nine. In this episode is going to be the best of Paranormal Files Canada season three. All right. Yeah. So in this episode, we are going to be taking a look at three of our best topics that we covered in our season three so which is going to include up first is going to be the Aurelia Opera House was which was our season opener at season three episode one and then yeah which was a really cool show and then so fun to do it was. It really was. And then don't forget, we have the tour of the Aurelia Opera House on our YouTube page. Yeah. And our next topic, which we chose for the best of season three, was season three, episode six, Jasper Park Lodge, which mm-hmm. had some really interesting stories behind it, some interesting history, which we thought we would feature again because that's what we do. <laughs> And for our final best of season three, we chose um, season three, episode 11, St. Anne's Academy, where I think, Brie, you know, you'll, I think you'll agree with me when I say, um, I, I think that one's memorable for me because the, the person who built the house basically killed people and put them into the foundation of the house. So that was mm-hmm. a selling point for me and stay tuned. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that. Later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Yeah. So what's new with you? What's happening? Not much. Just enjoying this lovely weather. Well, this yeah. up and down weather lately, actually. <laughs> yes. Like yes. raining, storming, thunder, lightning, powers out. Smoke, <laughs> even in the atmosphere yeah. from all the yep. fires that we're having here as well. So yeah. it's been it's kind of everywhere. Uh, yeah. So everybody's kind of being affected, and I, I even heard that the smoke that we're having here has reached Europe and is affecting oh, wow. them there. So, I mean, that just kind of goes to show you the. Uh, you know, significance of these fires that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I wish there was a way that they could help reduce it from happening. I always joke around with my kids and I, I was like, we have so much recyclable stuff out there or stuff that they can't do anything with. Why can't they turn it into a recyclable solar powered sprinkler system that runs off any of the water sources in these areas that have forest fires to help, you know, maybe keep it moist once a month, you know, where it sprinkles its own water from the own area. It's going to go into the ground anyway in the same area. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So I don't think that it would cause a drought. I think if anything, it would, I don't know, it might change things because it's constantly wet instead of being dry. But I just thought we lose so much of our forest every year and they can't find ways. And some of our men die trying to stop the fires. So why can't they come up with some sort of eco-friendly solar powered sprinkler system? 
Well, you know, I think that's a great idea, but I think in, in relative to everything that's happening, I think we also need to change um, how we operate as human beings yeah. and what we do to the planet, um, because I think that's a big part of it as well, of, of what we're leaving behind, you know, every day. Um, which is causing the planet to kind of go into a mode of protection um, in a sense to protect itself Uh, because, you know, we want it to be here, um, you know, as long as possible and for our kids and our kids' kids and, you know, our nieces and nephews and all that. Um, So, you know, I think it's, you know, your ideas are great, but I think it needs to start with human beings first and foremost to kind of correct that problem and then start thinking about solutions to um, correct some of those other things as well. Yeah. Go along with that. Yes, us humans have a lot to learn. Yeah. I mean, you know... We do, absolutely. And I think, you know, like everything, you got to learn from your mistakes, right? And if we don't learn from that, then really, what are we going to solve? Yeah. And with that being said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With that being said, um, another announcement that I think we want to make at this point um, is that uh, Paranormal Files Canada is coming to an end. We've done uh, four seasons and we're going to complete our fourth season and then we are going to end the show. So, you know, we have a lot of information and a lot of stories that we've passed along over the last four years. And we feel that now is the right time to kind of say, um, you know, farewell so long and kind of try other avenues and, um, you know, maybe another show down the road. So, um, yeah. So I don't know, Brie, if you want to say anything on that. Um, I just want to tell you to stay tuned. Um, and we've been working on a little bit of a project and hoping to bring that to light to everybody. We enjoyed our paramedia segment throughout uh, Paranormal Files, and we'd like to extend it, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to kind of see where that takes us, and then hopefully we would love to have you guys along for the ride as well, because you have shown us some great support for our Paranormal Files Canada show since we've started, basically. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'll be a different change for us and, you know, change is good and is what we need. And yeah. So on to, I guess, another topic that we love and, and uh, that affects our lives every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So without further ado, let's get to our best of season three episodes, starting off with the Aurelia Opera House and then Jasper Park Lodge, and then St. Anne's Academy, and then we will be back at the end so you can get in touch with us for one of our last three episodes. So yes, definitely let's get to it, and we will see you at the end. So let's get right into talking about the Aurelia Opera House. Brie, take it away. 
Certainly. <laughs> so the Aurelia Opera House, when it became a village in 1867, they wanted to move the farmer's market from the waterfront and to make it a more central location. Uh, the village councillors uh, wanted a new town hall and um, a proper jail for the rowdy people in town. <laughs> Uh, the new town hall had its um, meeting in August 7th in 19, uh, sorry, 1874, yeah. and it served well from 1874 to 1877. Uh, they then decided they needed something bigger. And in 1895, it was built with a Richardsonian Romanesque architecture. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. <laughs> And then it was replaced, uh, the first uh, town, it was replaced, the first town hall, sorry, built in um, 1874. It was also built to house the Aurelia City Council and the local jail. It was designed by a Toronto architecture uh, firm and it cost the taxpayers about $25,000 and it had a city council chamber, an auditorium, uh, city hall offices and some market booths uh, in the jail, of course. It was described as the finest building for corporation purposes of any town in Ontario. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, the auditorium had uh, 905 seats with a beautiful wraparound balcony, which you can see behind us here. Most of the building was destroyed in a fire that took place in 1915 and was rebuilt and reopened in 1917. Although there was no south tower um, in the rebuilding of the structure they kept the same architecture and the new lobby and stairs as well as the add-on in the east and the washrooms were all added to the ground floor level right balcony was replaced with a balcony facing the stage and the dressing rooms were moved downstairs so the stage would be the width of the building they also put in an orchestra pit and uh, a backstage hoist um, they renovated the entrance on the east side in 1958. Renovations in the 80s saw upgrades to public areas uh, with an elevator and air conditioning was even added a lighting bridge to the auditorium as well. The 700-seat auditorium was also a movie house in the 20s until the 50s. The Aurelia City Council left the building in 1997 and the Opera House had room for small theaters um, the, and open the studio with 104 seats. So you'll see in the uh, tour of the building the smaller um, stage that's set up as well. And uh, it was very intimate. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely would like to see something there yes. uh, because it's very small. Um, it makes very you feel like you're part of part of the show. Yeah, in, in a sense. So. It was also known uh, for having really great acoustics. Um, I know as we talk, it sounds like mm -hmm. it's carrying very well, and we're just sitting in the front seat. Mm -hmm. um, so imagine if you were on the stage and, and trying to project your voice. It would be very easy to do because of uh, the amazing architecture that's in this building. In 1997, the Opera House renamed its auditorium in honor of its most famous son, Mr. Gordon Lightfoot. So I think now would be a great time to talk about the ghosts that haunt mm. the Aurelia Opera House. 
<laughs> so it's a bit chilly in here. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I had goosebumps earlier, but now I'm okay. So it's said that the ghosts of the Israeli Opera House, apparently it's said that they tend to go around and slam doors or make groaning and moaning sounds while they're around. Yeah, and that's one thing that Wendy mentioned during the um, tour. The tour that there was one worker that worked in the building and he had fallen into like a, um, a sh an elevator shaft or what have mm. you and he wasn't found until Monday. So unfortunately he had succumbed to his injuries. So that's kind of where that moaning and groaning sounds um, that are coming from. Yeah, that's awful. It is. It is. Um, they also play, I guess, like with the shadows in the room too, kind of, um, um, I don't know, well, the, the usual thing when you see something move. Um, they also drop the temperature in the room um, to like, well, I, earlier I was said I was feeling, you know, goosebumps all over. Yeah. Um, there's other investigators that have come in who have done like paranormal uh, shows themselves and they've also determined that they felt presence here with um, a female. Uh, type of ghost or spirit or um, entity and uh, they say that the the ghost the female ghost was probably the girl who played the piano during the um, silent movies that were played here and there's also a woman who worked in the ticket booth that uh, haunts the place and um, there was actually recently, which Wendy mentioned in the tour, that there was a, a gentleman who had a heart attack while watching a performance. So they say that he's still here because he didn't get to see the end of the show. So That's right. Yeah. You know, what a good place to be. Um, I to would spend love to be a ghost in here. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and I think we've talked about that before in some of our past audio episodes where you know, what What a fantastic place to spend your eternity and be able to, um, you know, live a life where, in a place that brings people so much joy and mm -hmm. happiness and, you know, brings uh, a story to life. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And brings people together. It does. It brings people together, um, gives people an avenue to kind of, you know, break free from everyday life, everyday life, and and things like that. So, you know, with all the, you, you know, not opera houses, but playhouses, opera houses, theaters. theaters you know, the London Theater, oh. the Grand Theater that Julie talked about in our first season. You know, really interesting stuff, and and you know, a lot of you find a lot of residual um, entities that that kind of stick around and and and. Mm -hmm. uh, call that their final resting place, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But they also say that the the ghosts that are here, they're um, fun. They're not um, malevolent in any way, and they don't try and hurt people, so. Yeah, so everybody's experience have always been really good. Mm -hmm. um, really, cal not calming, but I guess anybody that would see a ghost would be kind of freaked yeah. out, but um, <laughs> it doesn't seem like anything negative um, that kind of haunts the place, so, mm -hmm. which is good, because mm -hmm. there's, really shouldn't be any negativity that, that kind of floats around here unless it's coming out of a show or what have you. Mm -hmm. so. so anything more for the ghosts of the Aurelia Opera House? No, that is all I have. Well, that is it. But anyway, so let's get right into talking about Jasper Park Lodge in Alberta. Sounds good. All right. 
Well, Jasper Park Lodge is a 442-room hotel belonging to the Fairmont chain, and it's settled on a 700-acre site on Lac Bovert and Jasper National Park. It was established in 1921 by the Canadian National Railway, as we've heard so many times before. Yeah, and they always seem to come up. <laughs> yeah, always, at some point or another within, you know, either a lodge or a hotel or, you know, this, that, or what have you. Yeah. It was also part of Canada's Grand Railway Hotels. Jasper in the early 1900s had a few hotels established during the construction of the railway. The earliest form of accommodation along the Lac Beauvaird came in 1915 when Robert Kenneth and Fred and Jack Brewster established Tent City. It had 10 large tents with wooden walls and floors as well, and a cooking tent built along the lakefront. They rented it out daily and weekly. Over 260 visitors stayed that summer. It opened officially July 15th in 1915 to a successful summer, but failed to reopen due to the First World War. On June 15th, 1919, Fred and Jack Brewster returned from the war and purchased Tent City from Robert Kenneth and reopened it to a success and expanded it in 1920 with a long kitchen, dining room, and dance pavilion. In 1921, the Canadian National Railway purchased Tent City and began plans for a hotel site with the first bungalow, opening in June 1922 under the same name Jasper Park Lodge. John Schofield, the CNR architect, saw a hotel that altered the valley's view as little as possible and blended into the natural surroundings. He wanted a number of small rustic log cabins rather than a traditional large resort. In January of 1923, the new president of the CNR visited Jasper and liked the development and wanted more development along the line. During the winter of 1922-1923, construction began and there were a number of new bungalows designed. The central lodge was used on a fairstone foundation, including lounges, dining room, snack room, kitchens, offices, a large stone fireplace with animal heads mounted, and was said to be the world's largest single-story log building. By 1925, Jasper Park Lodge consisted of more than 50 log structures, and by 1927, there was rooms for 425 guests. In 1927 and 1928, Central Lodge was expanded and doubling the size of the building, and more cabins were built. In addition, between 1928 and 1931, more cabins built, including the luxury cabins and more smaller cabins, taking capacity up to 550 guests. Tourism in the park grew in the 40s, but was short-lived as the Second World War hit the lodge closed to the public in 1942 until the spring of 1946. In 1943 to 1944, the lodge was used as a winter training base for the, mount the mountain troops. Many of the original log bungalows were modernized and replaced in the 1940s through the 1960s. On July 15, 1952, a fire broke out in the Central Lodge, which destroyed the entire building, 
One employee who helped guests out died due to burn sustained and was said to be caused by faulty wiring. At the time of the fire, the lodge had a new plan underway to build a new central lodge, and construction began within a few weeks of the fire. The new lodge had a 700-square-meter design. It included fireproof steel and concrete, firestone and cedar roof, which blended with the original bungalows and environment. The new central lodge was completed on June the 9th of 1953. It was sold to Canadian Pacific Hotels in 1988 and became a year-round resort destination. A five-year restoration completed in 1994 to the current 442 rooms and public amenities. In 2001, the chain was redone and formed into the Fairmont Hotels and Resorts. In 2006, the lodge was purchased by Oxford Properties, but is operated under the Fairmont brand. A Fairmont spa was added in 2010. 2015-16, a renovation to all the rooms was completed to modernize the decor. There was an Italian restaurant that was added. Uh, Also some patios, um, Thompson Terrace golf course, and a sushi bar. I don't know if you're down with that. The whole place sounds lovely. I don't yeah, eat sushi, does. but yeah, and I, like I mean, I wouldn't go there for sushi, but like I mean, everything else is just—it seems really, really nice. Also, in 2015, the Fairmont was acquired by a French company, Accor, which included several Canadian historic hotels, including the Jasper Park Lodge. So that's basically all I got for the Jasper Park Lodge. But which was good information because there was quite the history there with regards to, to, uh, to that whole thing. So I'm going to definitely now pass it over to Bree to tell us about the ghost of the Jasper Park Lodge in Alberta. Bree? Thanks, Sean. No problem. <laughs> The lodge is rumored to be the location where a employee was startled while climbing the stairs and plummeted to their death. And that happened in the 1940s. And the staircase is apparently one of the most haunted places um, in the place. And it was said that a housekeeper was the one who fell and broke her neck. She'd been known by um, the visitors to push people down the stairs. So she's kind of a sinister ghost, I guess you could say. Uh, She's responsible for the chilly winds that sometimes blow down on you. People have reported saying that they feel like they're being watched when they're near the staircase, like somebody's there. And, And then animals have also said to get very hesitant and try to not go towards the stairway. There was a security guard, apparently, that claimed to receive phantom calls from that cabin. Only when he arrives there, no one's there. Others have reported that while in the cabin or the lodge, they get these chills on the hair on the back of their neck. And it starts, you know, like it's standing up or whatever. And it feels like someone is watching them. Hmm. Imagine. Like, I mean, I we say that, I, well, I say that a lot. Oh, imagine that. But... 
I don't like I don't that know. feeling when you feel like someone's watching. Yeah, I don't. Because it's like the what it, some people refer to it, I think, as the heebie jeebies. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, not the most pleasant feeling in the world, but, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. It depends on how receptive you are and what you take from it, I guess. Right. That's true too. Um, There was also a senior couple dressed in old fashioned clothing and they've been seen by, I guess, quite a few patrons there and they're either dancing or sitting at a table at one of the restaurants. (laughs) Um, Some have seen an apparition walk through the wall. That's so cute. Sorry. I just wanted to go back to that because you know, that's what I would like to see if I was to experience a ghost. Mm-hmm. Just something like totally cute like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So anyway, sorry about that. Go ahead. No problem. <laughs> so some have said that they've seen the uh, apparition walk through the walls. And um, sometimes they'll rearrange the furniture overnight uh, or they'll switch the lights on and off. Uh, they've seen children's handprints appear on the window in the main ballroom, and people have noted that there's like an eerie feeling of being watched in the ballroom as well. So there must be, he must be a ghost that travels throughout, and just if a lot of people are in that area, or even maybe one person, he would, you know, want to be there and bother them. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how like how many people are there like that Mm -hmm. particular space but then anything could happen over the years things that you don't hear about you know and things that you do well some people don't even tell their stories either because they're like that totally didn't happen (laughs) right and that's true and you do you know you have the non-believers and you have the believers and you know you have all that different stuff but you know but a story is a story and eventually it gets told right Mm -hmm. so exactly (laughs) Um, so there's also been, uh, some people have said that, um, their items have been, uh, mysteriously moved around or mucked about with, uh, and then there's been unexplained phone calls to the front desk or to the switchboard. Uh, there's that, um, and another mention of, uh, animals are said to be very uncomfortable near the stairwells. I think that's a key indicator right there. If, you yeah, know, I know. if an animal doesn't want to go there, then I mean, that should be a clear indicator for you as a person to go. Right. Yeah, maybe I don't want to do that, you know, just yeah. saying. <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's all I have for the lodge. Just nice. Lodge. Well, that was good. That was interesting. I really like those stories. So let's get right into talking about St. Anne's Academy in Victoria, B.C., all right, sounds good. Excellent. Take it away, Sean. <laughs> Thanks. So, <laughs> it was built by the Roman Catholic Congregation of Women, the Sisters of St. Anne and Lachine, Quebec. The chapel was built in 1858 as St. Andrew's Cathedral and was moved in 1886 to be St. Anne's Chapel and the oldest part of the academy. In 1887, a covenant was added to the west side, and then in 1910, one was added behind the academy. Sisters of St. Anne closed the academy in 1973, sold the property to the government of BC, which used it as an office space and a public service for a while, and it eventually had to be closed. It was in need of major repair and restorations. 
The interior was eventually gutted and rebuilt from top to bottom, providing major upgrades and modernization into an office space. When it was done, the majority of the building was leased to BC Ministry of Advanced Education, a use consistent with the sisters' goals. The exterior look of the building was repaired and retained. The chapels, parlors, and infirmary were kept and restored to their 1920s decor. The auditorium was made majorly upgraded and enlarged and restored and used for lectures and concerts and was reopened in 1997. When the chapel was deconsecrated, when the sisters sold the property, since the restoration of the chapel and the Novate Garden, they have been used for weddings and other functions. A building behind the main building has been occupied by the Victorian Conservatory of Music, was demolished on September the 11th of 2001. When the conservatory moved and the site was cleared and became the green space merging the academy grounds with the adjacent Beacon Hill Park. Isn't that the same year that the towers went down? Yes, I believe so. Interesting. The Sisters of St. Anne had two cemeteries at the academy where many of the first sisters were buried. In 1908, a plot of the northeast corner of the Ross Bay Cemetery was opened for future burials. When the academy closed in 1974, the sisters were exhumed and moved to the sisters' plot in Ross Bay. There were many artworks of the academy and many of the stained glass windows were vandalized when the building was vacant and had to be rebuilt during construction. Sister Mary Osseth was the painter of the Immaculate Conception. It was a painting in the sisters' waiting room. She was also the architect of the Little Flower Academy School in Vancouver and St. Anne Boys School in Quamicon. It was also a designated Historic National Site of Canada in 1989. Now, as we always like, the paranormal aspect of St. Anne's Academy and it's over to Brie. Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. (laughs) Alrighty. So the ghosts, St. Anne's Academy and Victoria, BC. People have claimed to have heard children's voices and sometimes they feel a very uneasy feeling, feeling in the building. There's been some sightings of a young woman who had died there from a mysterious illness. She is dressed in all white, and is standing by a sundial in the front lawn. Visitors have also claimed to hear a bell toll mysteriously playing somewhere in the background. There's also been some sightings of the nuns that were buried there uh, up until 1908, roaming around the grounds, especially in the early morning. It's rumored that the that Thomas Hooper, the Academy architect, killed people and poured them into the foundation to give his building a soul, which is extremely creepy. <laughs> All right, so the original cemetery remains on the grounds, and the nine sisters are known to be buried there. And those are the sisters that have been known to be seen roaming around the grounds. The ghost of Emily Carr, Victoria's most famous artist and writer, is also reported to haunt the grounds of St. Anne's Academy. And those are all the lovely ghosts I have for you today. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
sex, Brie. That was really interesting. Um, about no problem. The ghosts of St. Anne's. Okay, so now coming back from our best of season three episode, we hope you agreed with our three choices, our topics that we chose for our best of. I know we enjoyed mm. those three shows, especially the early opera house and everything that was involved with that show because it was our first live on location. So that was pretty mm-hmm. neat. That was fun, yeah. So again, uh, make sure that you check out the actual video tour of the Aurelia Opera House where you actually get to go in and see inside, see down in the basement, see in some old jail cells that were there from when it was used um, as a police station. Um, you know, there's city halls. There's some documents down there that were from the 1800s. Um, so check it out. Really interesting stuff. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, we had a very well-informed tour guide that took us around. Um, Do you remember her name? Wendy. Wendy. Yes, Wendy. (laughs) So that took us around and and shared so much knowledge about the Aurelia Opera House. And you can also see her in our video as well. So, Brie, let everyone know how they can get in touch with us. All right. So you can find us on Facebook at Paranormal Files Canada. You can reach out to us at ParanormalFilesCanada at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at Canada Paranormal Files, as well as now TikTok. So you can enjoy our videos, check out our episodes, and uh, reach out to us. Well, that sounds amazing. So everybody go out and do that right now. And let us know <laughs> what you think about our choices of the best of season three. And that's pretty much it. So, you know, as as we always end the show with thanks for joining us, we appreciate uh, you downloading the show and kind of, you know, hanging out with us. And we look forward to the next episode, um, episode 10. So Sounds good. Yeah. So take care of everyone, take care of yourself, and don't forget to stay spooky. Spooky.